friends, countrymen, lovers of all things design. This is Grits and Grids. Hey everyone, today I'm speaking with Joshua Crone of Focus Lab. He's a brand new UI designer that's uh, kicking some serious ass down in Savannah. Joshua, why don't you say hi and give a little bit of backstory about who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah. All right. Hey, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm a brand and UI designer at Focus Lab. Um, how, I guess I'll talk a little bit about like the path to design, like how I yeah. came to be a designer. So uh, I was born in Wisconsin. Uh, my parents moved to Phoenix, Arizona when I was four, and I uh, grew up there. I was raised there. Lived there until high school, and um, after after I graduated, decided I wanted to um, study music. So I went to a college in Minnesota and studied music education. And mm. uh, the ultimate goal that I had was to like direct high school choir. Uh, but halfway through, um, for various reasons, decided I didn't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But while I was there, I met and got engaged to my now wife, uh, whose family lived in Wisconsin. So we kind of stayed up here for that reason. And, um, after she graduated, we, we stayed in Wisconsin. So I've kind of come uh, full circle in, in that regards. But after I, uh, left Minnesota, I kind of floundered a bit. Um, I think as mid 20 somethings often do like trying to figure out what you wanted to mm-hmm. do with your life. Um, <laughs> Oh, who am I? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so at, as most designers probably did, when they were younger, um, uh, for me it was at least uh, I doodled a lot, drew and colored and painted and, and did all that artsy stuff through childhood. So that kind of just led me naturally down to explore like different graphic design programs. Um, but at that time, since I was married and at the time I was also working full time, um, there weren't there wasn't a lot of like classes available conducive to like that kind of uh, schedule. So. Ended up getting my associate's degree through a technical college that offered a lot of night classes. So um, because of those night classes, I was able to like go to school while still working full time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, after graduating, <clears throat> excuse me, after graduating, I worked uh, in-house at a, at a company in the city that I live. Um, it's a lighting manufacturer. Uh, and I worked as a print and web designer doing like a lot of catalog design and like email stuff and just mm-hmm. pretty much anything and everything for, for a couple of brands. But while I was going to school and working in-house for this company, I also started freelancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so working in-house and freelancing uh, was about over the course of five to six years. So like in, in podcasting terms, it's, I'm talking about it for 30 seconds, but right, in, the, right. it, in like in real life terms, it was, you know, five to six years. So but eventually, during that time, I built up enough uh, freelance work and clientele that I was able to quit the nine to five and freelance full time. Nice. And uh, Focus Lab actually was one of my first clients because uh, I had been a huge fan of them for years. And there's a there's a longer story of actually uh, of how I found Bill Kenny and Focus Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Kenny's one of the co-founders. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you want me to go into that at all? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. sure. Talk about it. Yeah. yeah so, I'm growing. Uh, so I grew up in Wisconsin for four years, and and then I came back. So, uh, the our professional baseball team is Milwaukee Brewers, and um, at uh, during that time that I was freelancing and working full time, um, they had 
an opening for a graphic designer. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And so (laughs) instead of like, instead of applying online and, you know, sending in a resume and cover letter, hoping that that would like get me noticed or whatever, I created this uh, scouting report and it was like this Mm -hmm. physical kit. And it was like this, it was a wooden box that I, that I burned like with this official scouting report branding. And I created Mm -hmm. like this poster that was pretty much like my scouting report. And it had like all the, the, all of these things that you would find in a baseball scouting report, like, um, like hot and cold zones and like your spray zone, like when you hit Mm -hmm. and stuff and, um, just like all these different statistics. And that came with like a cover letter. And then I, I made like a custom baseball card that was in like a plastic card holder that you buy, like when you want to preserve like right, cards right. in mint condition. And that was For all your favorite my... rookie card, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so then I put all this into this wood case and that, that was my application. And um, I sent that off and I've, I didn't even get an interview. So like long story short, I didn't get the interview, like followed up with them a couple of times. And like their advice for me was like in the future, just apply online. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So I had posted it. I posted like process work of that project to my blog Mm -hmm. and to my personal blog. And this guy named Bill Kenny had commented and said like, nice work, sir. And so I was like, I have no idea who this is. I have no idea how he found my blog that like I maybe have one reader and it's my right. mom. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, clicked the, clicked the link in his, in his comment and I went to focuslabllc.com and I just looked at their work and I was like, oh, this is cool stuff and found, found Bill on Twitter and just started following him and then eventually just uh, – saw the work that he was posting on dribble and that's how I mm-hmm. learned about dribble and um, eventually got drafted to dribble and started posting work. And, you know, through, through the years, I, they had a couple of, <clears throat> of job openings and I would mm-hmm. apply for them and, you know, just the timing wasn't right or my skill level wasn't there. But um, eventually um, while I was building up that freelance clientele, Bill, Bill contacted me out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, we want to try out a couple of projects with you. So, that's cool. how I, that's how I came to uh to know folk and and have Focus Lab as one of my first clients as a as a freelancer. As a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting cuz you know, I think you know, hearing this story, it's, it's not uncommon, believe it or not. Um it's not that you're not special, but um <laughs> you know, I think there's this like misconception that okay, I go to college, I rock it, when I get into the world, have job and now, now I job now. And right. I think it's just, that's rarely the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially in our industry, I think there's a lot of apprehensions about just hiring someone. It's just not a traditional HR scenario where, uh, at least for creative firms, because there's so much like culture that is involved and you really don't understand a culture until you are in it and see how that person works. And then there's also the idea of like, get the hell out of your hometown, man. Like right. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like travel, go see things. Um, and don't be rooted. Uh, I mean, obviously it's easy for me to say, but uh, not everyone can do that. But, uh, I think that's, that's part of it is you, you went around, you, you went to different places that actually helps develop your creativity in so many ways. Right. Right. Um, and, yeah. And we'll touch on this a little bit later about, um, I think about just like going, like feeling the need to gravitate towards like a New York or a Chicago or a San Francisco, like to make it as, as a designer. 
Um, right. Let's let's touch on it now because I mean, it, it yeah. naturally we're here, right? So yeah, for sure. I mean, S- Savannah to me, you know, has ups and downs. Just as an outsider, um, one I love visiting because you know, you know you can drink on the streets, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, obviously uh, SCAD is there, and SCAD right. puts out a very high caliber, uh, you know, level of student slash creative. Um, but Savannah is not a booming metropolis. You know, right. I wouldn't say that they have like, a, you know, a plethora of work. And so I think one of the things that stood out to me about Focus Lab and then Sidecar, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second too, mm-hmm. um, was, wow, like they have a really amazing studio. They're doing great work in a town that seems almost handcuffed by um, the amount of opportunities that are there. Maybe that's ignorant speaking. Um and so let's talk about Savannah a little bit. And, and like, what have you, I mean, you, you've been around the block a little bit. You've been around the country a little bit. I mean, how did you, uh, how do you love Savannah? I mean, do you like it? And- yeah. So um, I actually still, I work remotely for Focus Lab from Wisconsin. Cool. So yeah. So I work. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I work from home. Um, so I'm not local to Savannah. I've been there um, a few times. Sure. Um, so I don't know if I have an accurate perspective, but I do know that, um, you know, Savannah itself is has a really rich history. Um, it's about ninety thousand people, and it, it's. I think it's. Um, it's it's fascinating that a city of that size can have such a um, prestigious design program, or you know, right. a, a college that offers such a such a great wealth of of highly trained you know designers and artists. Mm-hmm. Um. So Focus Lab itself has had, I think, six SCAD graduates come come through mm-hmm. its doors, um, and three of them are now designing on the West Coast. Nice, that's yeah, awesome. So, yeah. So if we if we try to think about you know what the you know what the pull is, I guess for for people to once they graduate to leave and you know find that find that need that they have to, to flourish in, in their craft, I would say maybe it's, maybe it's 50%, you know, just based on, on looking at the, the, the people that have come through focus lab. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Talking with some of the local teams. So, you know, we have three SCAT graduates on our, uh, you know, in focus lab and talking with them, they estimate maybe, you know, depending mm-hmm. on the degree, like maybe 20 or 30% come back. Um, mm-hmm to, uh, you know, to stay in Savannah and, and, and work. Um, I would say that, um, that that's, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And so it's interesting, like what I, what I had found, um, at least locally, and I've talked about it a few times on, on a couple episodes is that, you know, there's this idea that even in Atlanta where it's like, okay, you've graduated now get out, go to New York, go to LA. Cause that's where the magic happens, at least especially in the uh, ad industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm such a big proponent. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm just a, a total like Atlanta lover. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there's a lot that can be done locally. And I think that's one of the things that um, really surprised me about uh, Focus Lab being, you know, in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Not not that they were in Savannah, but like that place is like, beach, you know, like historic beach towns like Charleston and Savannah have like such amazing talent in them. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it really is a testament too to how technology has truly altered the way we work. I mean, Absolutely. again, you know, you're in Wisconsin, but you're able to collaborate and work and do good work for a place in Savannah, and that right. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and like you said before, like I'm not special in that in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know I know tons of designers um, that are very successful, and 
you know, frankly, make a good living without having to be in like a central, a big central hub like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you work there now. Let, let's let's jump into the sidecar. Um, so yeah. I think you know I, I heard of Focus Lab and then I heard of Sidecar. Then I realized that they were kind of like brother sister. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did Sidecar? I mean, do you know how Sidecar got spawned? I mean, how did that how did that happen? It seems like a brilliant yeah. move. Yeah, for sure. So um, so Focus Lab actually has its roots like. When they first got started, so it was just Bill Kenny and Eric Regan. Those are the co-founders of the mm-hmm. company. And they started in 2007. And the, the name of the company actually back then was Ideal Design Firm. Okay. Um, and basically, they were just pooling their resources to knock out freelance work. So Bill right. brought the design chops. Eric brought the code chops. Um, in 2010, that's when they both left their full-time jobs and started mm-hmm. Focus Lab. <clears throat> in 2011... Uh, the company was was uh, you know had enough work uh, to and, and grew big enough to hire its first designer and then as of today in uh, 2017 uh, we we have 17 people <clears throat> um, working for Focus Lab. Um, so backtracking a little bit in 2012, there was an idea to sell Expression Engine add-ons. So uh, Eric, right. Eric, you know, bringing the code shops, he was. Uh, very prominent in the Expression Engine community. And for those that don't know, Ex- Expression Engine is a content management system um, for you know for housing your content on your website. <clears throat> and so with Eric being such a huge part of that community, he saw a need for some some quality add-ons, stuff that you know he used and the company used that on, on a lot of dev projects for Focus Lab. Um, so that so that's where the idea of Sidecar came from, is like, you know. Eric wanted to sell these add-ons for Expression Engine, and that's where, like, that's how it translated to Sidecar. Because you know, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with like an actual Sidecar, it's a motorcycle with like a car that's added on to the side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the name came from. But eventually, that idea they shelved that idea because the effort required of such a small team to support any of those issues that would come up from these add-ons it would have just been way too time-consuming for for a team of that size. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea of having product-based revenue as opposed to like being relying or being reliant on 100% client-based revenue was something that that started to grow in the back of in the back of their minds. So fast forward to the beginning of 2015, the the team's a bit bigger, we have more capacity to work on maybe some side projects. Um, and so what we wanted to do then was leverage what we've learned in the design industry so that others could apply that knowledge like to themselves and better their craft. Mm-hmm. So, so eventually that took the form of um, high quality design assets like uh, photography that didn't look like stock photography, icon mm-hmm. sets and mock-ups and um, branding deliverables like branding presentation templates. So stuff that could be mm-hmm. repurposed on many projects and stuff that like to this day that we still use on almost every project. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, you know, we've actually toyed with some things as well. Um, and so seeing sidecar has definitely sparked conversations within these four walls. I mean, um, 
for us, it's more like graphic leftovers, right? Where exactly, we've designed yeah. things and it's like, okay, well, that's probably just going to sit there and never see the light of day because maybe it's the designer in us all where we're like, I can't sell a logo I designed for company X to company Y. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I got to design something fresh from the grounds up. And so you end up with all these like little bits and bobs that just sit there. Right. Yeah. And, and that was, yeah, that's where a lot of the product ideas that, that we sell today, that's where that came from. And it was like, you know, we're, we're doing these presentations for our clients and then we're posting them to dribble and getting really awesome feedback. And those products seem, or those shots or those projects seem to be resonating with, with the, um, with our audience. So like, Mm -hmm. let's see if we can, you know, turn this into a little bit of a business. Yeah, why not have that residual income? I mean, right. that, that's very nice. Right. And so uh, another component to that is that like high quality design assets are great, but we also wanted to write about our experiences mm-hmm. um, and not only design, but um, business and content strategy and just all of these different avenues that we've grown into and um, that we've grown talented at. So, mm-hmm. um, so another component to that to sidecar besides the assets i think we're known a lot for the asset portion but you know we also you know we do a lot of writing and, and sharing of knowledge of design and business so that was a another component that we wanted to to be a part of sidecar yeah i mean that's um that's something that i think you guys do quite brilliantly on dribble as well so it's not just about sharing work mm-hmm. um you know the team is always posting stuff with very uh, profound and detailed commentary alongside of it. So it's not just, you know, a gallery of pretty pictures, mm-hmm. pardon me, pretty pictures. It's, it's, um, you know, there's value there. And I think uh, even the blog, like you said, or if we want to call it that, that's very web 2.0 um, <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago, but you know, ha- having a place where you are pooling uh, thought leadership, thinking, um, you know, uh, provocative, not in the dirty way, but provocative as, as far as like thought provoking, mm-hmm. um, content is really smart as well. And I think that's one thing that, you know, uh, with vigor and our, our little friend grits and grids, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's, what's been our plan as well is like, you know, share the world's work. Um, because at, at the beginning of the day, we just absolutely love, restaurant and beverage and hospitality design work. Mm-hmm. Um, so share it and talk about it and that will lead to good things. And it has. Um, right. And so it seems like, you know, same thing with sidecar. It's like, it's not just about selling something. It's about, you know, leading the charge or at least inspiring people to maybe reapproach thinking or consider new things. Um, and I think it's like, it's that thinking and the, and the sharing mentality that really takes hold these days. Um, right. The shame of it is people kind of think it's like a, you know, a motorcycle. Like, oh, I'm just going to hop on this this here uh, expertise and thought leadership motorcycle, kickstart that, and off I go. Mm-hmm. But as you said, I mean, this is something that spawned like five, six years ago. Um, and it's taken five, six years to get to where you are now. Mm-hmm. And um, it is something that you have to dedicate to. And I think we have a, you know, we have a, always have a difficult time because especially clients want to, um, like, okay, I would like to give you money and I want to see triple that back in one month. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, and you're like, well, that's, uh, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's really interesting. Do you guys ever come up against that with the clients you work with? Or are you, you know, is, is Focus Lab more brand development? And then when it gets to marketing, it's kind of see you later. Um, yeah, so Focus Lab primarily focuses on um, brand identity. Um, so logo design and brand strategy and, um, you know, brand identity and, and all of the stuff that goes into um, showing what you look like to your, to your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's our, you know, we have a brand team and then we also have uh, an interactive team and that is, and we primarily work on marketing sites and, mm-hmm. and um, web apps across the, I, I would call it the, the, technology and software industry that's primarily where we do a lot of our interactive work that makes sense yeah, yeah. It, it's really nice because in that in that regard you really are crafting the user experience um from you know visual as well as uh you know like so visual and like how, how it plays out in a space sometimes um what's the core of what you're trying to communicate and then how does that interpret in digital forms as well right exactly. um that's pretty awesome um, so what's next for sidecar? I mean, are you allowed to talk about like the plans and what's coming down the pike? Um, yeah. So, so interesting. Um, one of the, so t- touching on what you had talked about earlier, like, mm-hmm. um, like what do I do at sidecar versus what I do at focus Lab? like our team is, is amazing and super diverse. Like we have, we have amazing copywriters and brand strategists and, you know, brand designers and interactive designers. Um, but what's so great about having that diverse skill set is that we can use that same talent then to um, to create content for Sidecar. Mm-hmm. Um, but as talented as we are, there are only so many hours in the day. And um, for Focus Lab, our priority is still to partner and service our clients. Like that's right. our bread and butter. Um, at the end of the day, if if Focus Lab doesn't exist, then Sidecar doesn't exist. So, um, you know, when we launched in 2015, you know, we had we launched with 12 products or 12 or 16 products or something, and we were adding two or three every month. And then at the same time, we're, we're writing articles and tutorials in, uh, for the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started to uh, tiptoe a little bit into video tutorials. And we're doing all this like in the first year and a half. And then at, at a point... Um, you know, we, we realized that, that, um, that maybe like, I'll just speak, t- um, for me personally, that, um, sure, yeah. some of the, some of the content creation for sidecar had started to, to overflow a little bit, like the plate was overflowing. So, um, we had to cut back a little bit on, on our strategy for sidecar because we were being, because our the focus lab side was so successful in servicing our clients. So mm-hmm. again, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, we want to service our clients and, and so sidecar, as far as the future goes, um, you know, we still want to create great, uh, content, um, on our blog. And, you know, if, if the stars ever align to, to get back into video tutorials and mm-hmm. you know, creating that high quality, those high quality assets, but, um, you know, the, the pace and fervor at which we were, that we started with is, has kind of gone down just because we've been so successful with client work on the focus lab side. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's an amazing problem to have, right? Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we get to that problem too one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so 
you know, personally, what, what's your favorite type of stuff to do um, at Focus Lab? Uh, you know, Joshua, what, what, do, what do you get up and love to do? Yeah, so for Focus Lab, it's, it's if I had to narrow it down to like one thing that I could only work on, I think it would be working on, um, on web apps, like mm-hmm. the product design. So marketing sites are really cool. Do a lot of those. And those are a blast because it, it's fun trying to create a new spin on a way to communicate like, here's the problem we're trying to solve. And here's why you should pay us to solve it. Like that whole thing. Like it's fun putting a new spin, trying to find ways to tell that story. Um, but like product design is, it, it requires just like a different type of thinking. There's a lot of critical thinking that goes into product design. Um, you have to think through like all these use cases and edge cases and like to see the impact design has on an organization through product design is super appealing to me. So I think if it was just one thing that I had to do, um, that's, that's what I really like working on. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's like (laughs) just, just waking up and being able to design for restaurants and beverages is like the best thing in the world. (laughs) Right. Right. And like, Oh, I, I talk about this with, um, like some of my friends and I talk about it with my wife and, you know, the other designers at focus, I was like, we get to, like, I get to wake up every day and like move stuff on a screen until it looks right. And mm-hmm. like, that's, that's my day. Right. <laughs> like, like, I, I rarely, if ever, like try to complain about my job because I know that there's so much, there's other people out there that that work like just as hard as I do. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's I'm moving stuff out around on a screen. I sit at a desk all day. There's not anything to complain about. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I think that helps keep things in perspective. And so, uh, you know, I, um, we, we, we sort of break our, our down. So my wife and I, you know, wherever we're stressed out and sharing a glass of wine, we just kind of like say, you know what, deep breath. And for me, my saying is, I try to get people to want to eat and drink more. That's, that's pretty much what I do. So, (laughs) you know, gluttony is the business I'm in technically, (laughs) you know, and she uh, works for film and television. And so uh, she's in the costumes department and um, you know, her, her little like moment of Zen saying is pretend clothes for pretend people. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what we do. That's what we're creating. (laughs) You know, it kind of recenters like, you know what? I love this. I'm passionate about it, but like, let's not, let's not sell ourselves that we're somehow changing the world, you know, one right, pixel exactly. at a time. It's like, no, I love this shit. I want to make sure that we do great stuff and I want to feel good about it. But at the end of the day, I'm just moving some pixels around. So somebody clicks where I want them to click and right, right. You know, like, yeah, I'm so designing I, stuff to make people hungry and thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I don't care if it's like the 500th time I've heard a client say we need to make the logo bigger. Right. Like that's not okay. Like just do it or, or find a way to like sell a different solution you know, to your client. But again, like at the end of the day, we are moving stuff around. It's, it's not life or death. I guess in, in some respects, like depending on where you work, it, it might be changing the world, but in reality, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not life changing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I think we do, the work that we do is I think important and, um, there are, you know, benefits to it. Oh yeah. I think, you know, when you're younger, you sort of have this, you know, 
this indelible quality of like, I'm going to just shake the world. I mean, I'm going to make a ding in the universe, as Steve mm-hmm. Jobs would say. Um, and I think that attitude sets you up for a lot of, um, yeah, I, I just think you, you've managed your expectations a little bit incorrectly. And so it sets you up for disappointment and the feeling of failure when you shouldn't be disappointed and you shouldn't consider it a failure. I think one of the problems um, with with the youth of today, um, besides walking on my lawn, is um, <laughs> is that they are so convinced. Um, well, I guess their expectations of of affecting change within an organization are are off. Mm-hmm. And uh, Simon Sinek actually did a really good talk about this, like the millennial effect. And um, yeah, I've seen you that. Know, yeah, it's like really smart, right? And he's like, you know, so when you talk to people, like, why are they disappoint in their job? It's not because their boss is a jerk or because that they find the work that they're doing they don't like it. It's that they feel like they haven't made an impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, we kind of left through like, dude, you've been here for three months. What kind of <laughs> impact did you really think you were going to have? Right. Um, but that's really important. And I can't say that it's like a bad trait, but I think managing one's own expectations is really important. And so, um, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Aaron Shepard, she, she worked for Iris, she works for Iris and now Concise, um, which is an agency I, I used to work with. Um, she, had, had a great way of putting it. She's, you know, cause I, I would get intense over something and I'm like, you know, no, like we can't do it this way because X, Y, and Z. And she's like, honestly, Joseph, is this the sword you want to fall on? Because I'm happy to do it, but you can only fall on so many swords, uh, before, before you're dead. So, right. you know, choose, choose wisely, you know? And so that said, think about it. If, if, if we're going to battle on this, let's go to battle on it. But just remember that not everything can be a battle. And sometimes you just have to really figure out, like read between the lines, um, figure out what the feedback really is and what the problem really is and come up with a solution. That's your job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that respect, it is a little bit more grandiose than just making shit look pretty. It's, it's really about, okay, the client hates the logo. Okay, neat. Let's find out why. Let's find out what's driving that. Is it a personal taste thing? Is, you know, is there a very good business case? Mm-hmm. Um, let's really dig into it. And then if you can find the objective meaning behind it, then you can actually create a design solution. And that's what we're charged with. And I think some people just kind of forget that. You know, it's, it's about art for them and right. not, you know, not an objective business solution, which you know, is, is, is just lost on some people. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's. I think there's definitely a difference between like being an artist and being a designer. Mm-hmm. Like a designer, you know, is is meant to solve a visual problem, and an artist, you know, is wants to, you know, put their take on, on on what they on how they see the world. Right, right, and I think it's very important to uh, make that very clear early on, and mm-hmm. make sure that design, whether it's digital, you know, print or, or what have you, um, what it really is, it, you know, it's an applied commercial art. It's not art, uh, in the, in the pure sense, but, right. um, anyway, I think I'm rambling, but um, <laughs> this has been a great chat, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out of the, out of your day. And, yeah, and for sure. I know we had some schedule fights, but I'm glad we were able to do it, um, and get on the horn. Um, so how can people uh, connect with you and connect with Focus Lab and Sidecar? Yeah, so um, Sidecar, are, um, we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and uh, it's Made by Sidecar. That is our, um, that's our name on all the things. Yeah. 
And then our URL also, our website's madebysidecar.com. And then uh, for Focus Lab, it's going to be focuslabllc.com. That is our site. And then we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Dribbble, um, same thing, Focus Lab LLC on all the things. Excellent, man. Awesome. This has been great, and uh, I look forward to posting it. I think it's going to be a great episode, and I appreciate you uh, hopping on board, man. All right. Thanks, Joseph. Absolutely. Have a good week. All right. You too. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no end in between on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.